0: We'll get into the podcast soon, but first, a word from our sponsor. Polka dots, neons, florals, and feathers. You've got the fashion sense to stay with the 2020 trends, but you can't forget about your eyewear. Look your best this spring and update your glasses at Boyton Eye Clinic's Fresh Frame Sale. Get the best in-store prices in Minnesota on name-brand frames at Boynton's two-day event, held February 20th and 21st from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., on the second floor of Boynton Health. Last Friday, hundreds of people gathered at the Minneapolis American Indian Center to march for murdered and missing Indigenous women. Jasmine Snow, a daily reporter, and I had the privilege to attend the march. Jasmine's here in the studio with me today to talk about it. Hey, Jasmine. Hi, Natalie. Thank you for joining me here today. Thank you for having me. On Friday, people took to the streets. They sang songs and marched to show support for missing and murdered indigenous women. This is the fourth year a march like this has been held in Minneapolis for these women.
1: We had it out in droves, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't just head to the door. I mean, there were just people flooding out into the streets, and then we started marching. Um, it was headed by children. They
0: did talk to a teacher. Becky Westman. Jasmine asked Becky why it was important to have children there leading the event. This affects all of us, and it affects our children, and we want to show our children um, that there's space for them and that we're creating positive places for them.
1: Red is definitely the color out here today. Um, Many members of the march have red handprints across their mouths, um, which I have been told signifies uh, the silence and ending the silence surrounding missing murdered indigenous women.
0: What was your experience like getting to talk to people during the march?
1: People want these stories to be told. People would
0: come up to me specifically
1: to tell their stories. Um, Right when I got to the event, actually, is when I heard the first story of uh, Rita Janelle Papaki. She's also listed in the print story. Um, She has been missing since 2015. I had the opportunity uh, to speak with her aunt, her mother, and her son, who came all the way from Iowa, to um, come and
0: kind of make sure that she wasn't forgotten. Jasmine also got to speak with Jennifer Boswell, who came out to march in support of her cousin Jojo, who's been missing since 2005.
1: She's my first cousin. She went missing back in 2005, down in Owatonna. Uh... Nobody's heard from her since. It's a very long time. So you haven't forgotten. No, I'll never forget. It. It's um, kind of surreal when you think about it. I mean, time goes on and time goes on, but
0: she'll never be forgotten from our family. Yeah. So the march was held for missing and murdered Indigenous women and people, and in the story you wrote for it there was a report that you mentioned about how only 116 of the 5,712 reported cases of missing or murdered Indigenous women were logged into the Department of Justice database back in 2016. Based on the reporting you did, why do you think this issue is so underreported? So I think there are are a lot of factors.
1: Um, I specifically talked with um, an organizer from the um, American Indian Women Sexual Assault Coalition, Her name is Christine Davidson. Uh, She is listed in the story. Um, And we talked about, you know, there is kind of that um, sexual assault is already something, um, violence and murder. That's already something against women that is underreported anyway for anyone. But um, for these communities, I mean, I think something has to do with it is sovereignty issue. Um, Christine and I talked about that a little bit, how there is uh, sovereignty between, like, on reservations. Like coming into the United States jurisdiction um, and how that could lead to a lot of issues reporting. Also, kind of the bonds and communities um, can worry about that, you know, just that kind of added shame and that kind of added issue. Um, there's also a lot of uncertainty, you know, and like, oh, my best friend's here one day, my best friend's not here the next. Also, this is just generally a historically underrepresented, underdefended um, community in the United States. And so I think that that definitely doesn't help um, in the issue at hand.
0: Thanks for taking the time to explain all that. So before the march, supporters gathered in the Minneapolis American Indian Center. The gym there was packed full of people, mostly wearing red, who came to hear different speakers.
1: Reminded me of like a family reunion, sort of. It was a very warm space. And as someone who was not in that community, it was very welcoming, like, immediately. I mean, there were lots of different people representing a lot of different things, mainly to voice their support. Um, There were a lot of singers out there, which was, I mean, that was absolutely beautiful. Um, The room just kind of went out, and it was just very quiet, and then the music started, and I mean, you just felt so connected to the people around you.
0: People gathered at the center heard from speakers like Lieutenant Governor Penny Flanagan a citizen of the White Earth Nation of Ojibwe.
2: And I look forward
1: to the day when we gather in this same room and we can say that every single woman, every single girl, every single member of our Two-Spirit community has been protected, that there is no longer this epidemic, and we are here to simply dance and march and celebrate. But until that day, we are going to keep showing up and we're going to keep doing the work.
0: While out marching later that day, Jasmine had the opportunity to speak with Lieutenant Governor Flanagan.
1: Uh, We have an epidemic of missing, murdered Indigenous women and girls and Two-Spirit community members, and it has to stop, and that's why we're here, to make sure that our Native women are seen, heard, and valued.
0: So for this reporting, you went to this march. You just went into the middle of it and got to talk to all these people and hear these stories. What was that like for you, being in that space and meeting all these people and just being there during this really powerful moment? Um,
1: First and foremost, it was an honor and a privilege to be allowed into this space. You know, getting to talk with Christine Davidson, getting to talk with members, to talk with uh, the Indigenous people who are out there, people who had um, lost their mothers or sisters, their cousins, or fathers and sons. I mean, it was also for Indigenous people, not just for the women specifically. So there was this moment when I think just before all the speeches were given, when the leader said that, okay, now we're going to have a moment of silence for all of these women, and if you know anybody, call out their name, so that way they can be remembered, and then all the sound kind of went out in a vacuum, and then all of a sudden there was just like this popcorning of names, Um, families, mothers, just all of these names just being called out all at once and just being remembered, and I remembered I was looking out into the audience, and I walked eyes with this woman and she stared at me and we were just staring at each other and she was absolutely bawling and crying and like in that moment i really began to understand how important this all was and how important the event was for remembrance and for understanding the importance of these voices and in that moment it really was true that these voices matter and that if they weren't there you know that silence matters as well so that was really
2: powerful here's what else you need to know today. A University of Minnesota report found that online classes cost about as much as in-person courses. The report was mandated by legislature last session, and Senate Higher Education Committee member Senator Gregory Clausen said he plans to hold hearings to discuss potential further expansion into online education with the committee. Last
0: week, the university's Board of Regents approved a resolution to move forward on a plan that would involve purchasing a significant chunk of land near East Bank on campus. Called the East Gateway Project, the plan encompasses buildings that currently house restaurants like Stubborn Herbs and Raising Canes. The project envisions using that space to increase public areas, green space, improved infrastructure, and added commercial and residential uses.
2: And remember, as mentioned in the beginning, make sure to get down to Boynton for their two-day fresh frame sale where you can upgrade to some name-brand glasses for a price you won't get anywhere else. This is happening on February 20th to the 21st, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on the second floor of Boynton Health Clinic. Visit boyton.umn.edu forward slash iClinic for more details. At Boynton Health on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's it for today, folks. See you next week.